there. Welcome to Beauties and Banter, a lifestyle podcast where we are relevant, witty, and opinionated. Okay, y'all, the banter is brewing. It's time to sip some tea, so let's get into it. Hey, Renee, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Ow. I know. Happy New Freaking Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ain't no new year, new me. I'm the same me, but it's definitely a new year. I know. I saw a meme somebody posted and they were like, no new year, new me. I'm still fabulous. So we good over here. <laughs> hey, let's do it. Yeah. So I didn't really do any 2019 resolutions. I kind of have like a theme, like a word for the year though. Um, so my word for the year is abundance. I'm just hoping for an abundance of love an abundance of experiences, an abundance of money, um, and to be able to give abundantly. So I'm just all about abundance this year, not lacking for anything in any area. I love it. I don't have um, a word. I actually have two words, and it's more of a phrase. And so... Let me talk about my 2018 for just a second. It was about growth. Mm-hmm. It was me growing in different areas of my life. Mental, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, financial, in all of those areas. I literally was stretched and was growing and learning. Wow. Um, so then I've taken that from 2018 because it was a little uncomfortable at times. So in 2019, it's all about um, expectancy and also expansion. Oh. So expansion of who I am, where I am, what I am. So expanding mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and also expecting God's blessings in 2019. Yes. So sometimes we have a lot of fear because we're scared of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I choose to have more faith in 2019 and I'm expecting for an abundance of blessings. Yes. Abundance of blessings are coming both of our ways. Amen. We're going to feel a Amen. They are gathered. So we are coming to you all midweek with a bonus episode because we just could not wait another day before we shared our thoughts on Surviving R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Whoo, child. Heavy. Heavy, heavy. So I recall, I don't think I really knew what was going on. Like, my understanding was that something was happening because I remember there was a premiere event. And a gun threat was called. And they were saying how they felt that R. Kelly's people called it to try to shut it down. And then I was seeing... Right. So I was thinking it was something in the movies. And then I started seeing shortly before it came out, which the first two episodes were released on Friday, that he was, you know, trying to get this documentary um, taken off the air and it was going to be on Lifetime. 
So I really didn't know what to expect, right? Like, but I was like, okay, they're going to be talking to the ex-wife, some of the girls who've been in the cult. Um, I didn't realize it was really going to like go the way that it did. I started looking at the TV guide. I was like, wait a minute, three nights, six episodes. This is about to be interesting. And so the surviving R. Kelly series on Lifetime has gripped the nation and specifically the black community for the first three days. And so we just wanted to hop on and share our thoughts about it. And if you haven't seen it, please go watch it because it is very um, telling Mm -hmm. on how we as a community, how we as people have such, such low expectations and requirements for not just black women, but women in general as well, too, because it is also telling to that, but mostly black women in this instance. Um, and so little respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I think that everybody should watch that if they get an opportunity to do so. Yeah, I agree. So I made a post on Facebook about it last night because I was a super fan of R. Kelly. And just to share, I I recall at least being in at least two concerts. I think I went to one when I was maybe like, like an Essence or something where he was at in like my late 20s, early 30s. But my first R. Kelly concert was the TP2 tour concert when he came to Dallas. And I was in college at the time. Me and my best friend went And TP2 was one of my favorite albums. And so I remember being so excited for that tour. And I mean, I was talking to somebody today and we were just chatting about like the music or whatever. And I said, he was the soundtrack to my adult love life. (laughs) If you know, (laughs) if you know what I mean, like 12 play, uh, came out when I was in middle school, so I had to sneak and listen to that. And I didn't really know what it was talking about. But by the time I got to high school, I knew what was going on. And definitely by the time that I was good and grown out of college, the double RCD, all of those songs, you start to play again and you start to play in, you know, special moments of your life. And so to try to deny that I was a big fan of his music that I attended his concerts, all of that, you know, um, I had to admit that I was, but even before I started hearing about the sex cult stuff, especially it was once I moved to Chicago and I knew about Aaliyah, I knew about the sex tape. I refused to watch that sex tape. I remember when someone had it when I was in college and I was like, um, I'm walking out the room. I'm good. Love. Uh, Right. It's, it's a no for me on child porn. So, um, but I remember like several years ago, just feeling like, yeah, I'm good. Because I kept hearing stories in Chicago of like him hanging out of high schools, like that this was his thing. It wasn't just Aaliyah, that this was just what he did. And then like, It was just real bogus. And I was like, you know what? I just don't think I feel right supporting him anymore. So when I would see that he was coming to town for concerts, I was like, no. And then I felt like 
his music just got a little more like crass, like that Black Panties album. And knowing that like he could be singing that and really talking about young girls, I just never feel comfortable with it. So the last album that I had like purchased or downloaded of his was the Love Letter album. And that was in 2011. Um, and so since then, I've kind of counseled him. And we've talked about that before on one of our other um, podcasts, which we actually will link to you all the podcast that we did on Can You Separate the Art from the Artist um, after this intro, just so you can take a listen because we shared some thoughts about R. Kelly back then. But I must say, after watching Surviving R. Kelly, I am definitely hashtag mute R. Kelly. And I am willing and already will be giving up music, not even wanting to listen because I have admitted that like, I may not be buying albums actively, but if a song came on, I would groove to it. I would step in the name of love like everybody else in Chicago. No, I will sit down when y'all get to step in now. Well, the, the interesting thing is for me, I've never been a super fan of R. Kelly. I've liked his music. Mm-hmm. I was a fan in the very beginning when he was R. Kelly in public announcement. Vibe was my song. I can't, uh. name, the the, I can't name the rest of his albums. Like you were just talking about those. I was like, oh, I don't remember that one. I yeah. That one. Now I might remember songs from different albums, but I never really, I don't think I've ever paid for anything um, at, from, at that time or ever, except for that first CD. That was probably the only one that I did. Mm-hmm. And, and I've never gone to any of his concerts. I never really had an interest like that uh, in him. But I, I did jam to his music. But when all of these things started coming more to light within the recent years, when I would hear his music, I didn't necessarily recognize that that's what I was listening to. I would just be jamming because, you know, you just jam to the next song that comes on the radio. Right. And when I realized, oh, my God, this is R. Kelly, I changed the channel. <laughs> and I would stop. And I would be like, oh, my God, that's R. Kelly. I don't want to hear that. So I think I muted him long before the mute R. Kelly was popular and, and became, you know, something that everybody got on board with. Um, and... If I heard him in a club, yeah, I did dance to it. I'm guilty of definitely doing that because I just didn't. I mean, what do you do in there? Do you walk out the club and leave? Right. I mean, at this point, yes, I would. And if if it comes on the radio at this point, I'm definitely not just going to change the channel. I'm not going to listen to that station until they meet R. Kelly. Because then that means that they are at this point, now that I've seen the, the documentary, that means that they are supporting and... They're behind what he does yep. or what he did. And I cannot morally and as a woman back something like that or anyone. I've, I've unfollowed some people. I have let go of that. I was like, I don't want to see this in my timeline. If you support him, that means you have no respect for women. You have no respect for young black girls. You have no respect for... Um, it, it, you know, life. Right. These people's lives that at this point. Yeah. So a couple things. So we've been referencing Mute R. Kelly. And for those who do not know, the official Mute R. Kelly movement 
was started in 2017, and Mute R. Kelly aims to end the financial support of R. Kelly's career and to get him convicted for sexual abuse against Black women. And so Mute R. Kelly came from what we were just talking about, is you go to the clubs, you go to weddings, you turn on the radio, his music was there. And so they were simply like, you know what? Let's just start there. Let's protest at concerts. Let's call in the radio stations and let's see if we can just get them to take his music off the air, if we can get them to stop streaming it, because then that's going to hurt his pocketbook when you don't, when your concerts get canceled. And so they started to see steam pick up around that. I remember you know, because him being from Chicago and Chicago people always having his back, which is surprising to hear you being from Chicago, not a big fan. When his concert last year did get counseled in Chicago at UIC, I was like, okay, people are really taking notice. Um, So that's what the Mute R. Kelly campaign is all about. It's just like, we're over this, time's up. And Black women were behind organizing this. And then they combined with the women of color of the Time's Up movement, which included Shonda Rhimes, Ava DuVernay, Viola Davis, and Tarana Burke of the Me Too movement to kind of take this on the celebrity level, right? So that's when you started like seeing it pick up more steam, more cancellation. Spotify took his music down. Um, I think... They said they weren't going to like include him in like mixed playlists or whatever anymore. I think Apple Music did the same. Like he's still on there, but they took him out of like playlists and radio. And the big one, which they talked about in the documentary from a radio standpoint, was Tom Joyner. And it took a conversation with Tarana Burke, the Me Too founder, for Tom Joyner to say, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore. So let's break down this documentary and what, what it all is. And I would urge you, if you're listening, no matter how you feel about this, I would urge you to watch it first because you talk about unfriending people. I haven't done that mainly because I'm not on Facebook enough to really see the ignorant things that people are saying, but I have had a few conversations with people who are like, Oh, whatever this, this, this. And I'm just like, let's just start talking about something else. Because I know that's a person who hasn't watched it. And when I see some of the commentary from people who like, I'm always going to be a fan and I ain't got time to watch that. I promise you, if you watch this and you are specifically a black woman, I don't see how you have no other choice but to mute R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. So the first two episodes are centered around R. Kelly's life and his rise to fame. A couple of things that were pulled out from that was growing up in Chicago, single mother. The most significant thing to me from there was that R. Kelly had a difficult time reading and writing and that he dropped out of high school. And also that R. Kelly, as well as his brother, were molested by someone in their family. So we can stop there, actually. He had a difficult upbringing. He had this talent and he was able to explore that through his high school and then was able to start working, you know, on his music, you know, even after dropping out of high school. But the sexual molestation, 
it was pretty sad to watch the brother share about that and how he too had been molested and how he went to R. Kelly to tell him about it because R. Kelly was his older brother and R. Kelly kind of urged him not to tell his mother only to find out later that R. Kelly too. And so I don't want to kind of gloss over that because many people who are sexual predators and rapists themselves have been violated. And so that childhood trauma obviously had an impact on him. I think the fact that he didn't do good in school and that maybe a part of him was still kind of like, felt like he was still a kid, you know, that, that messed him up somewhere too, you know? And so I don't want to take away anything away from the fact that he's done heinous things, but he had his childhood stolen from him in a sense, in the same way that he's taken these innocents from the girls that he's assaulting and raping. Um, So that was the first two episodes. You got into his family life, kind of his rise to fame and this whole Pied Piper of R&B, you know, how he named himself that. And then you got to hear stories from people that were on the tour bus with them. Um, Backup singers, tour managers, and sharing about things that they saw on the road, specifically around Aaliyah. Now that stuff like kind of messed me up too. Mm, Because I I think a lot of people are messed up about that because Aaliyah had this persona of being like a princess and you know, she was very sweet and very kind and very soft-spoken. So, and she had this just air about her and this innocence about her. So to see that he took that innocence from her and exploited her. Um, so to say, you know, I, we are t- we're together. Let's be together. Yeah. He was what thirty-something years old at the time. So at the time that they got married, yeah, at the time that they got married, she was 15 and he was 27. So I didn't know much about kind of all how it came to be. I mean, Aaliyah and I are the same age. And so I was 15 at the same time, back, back, forth and forth. AJ, nothing but a number. And like looking back now, I thought R. Kelly was cute, you know? And like you heard about this being married, them being married, But I think I recall at the time, there was so much we didn't know. She wasn't honest about her age. And they talked about that, how she really never revealed her age as part of her, you know, persona. Um, So it kind of became this. Go ahead. I'll say this real quick is that people in the music industry or the music industry itself is known for younger artists not revealing their ages. Yeah. Um, because they don't want their fans to actually know how old they are so that they can appeal to both older and younger demographics. So it is something that they push when you're signed with a label Mm -hmm. for you not to tell your age. Yep. And so that was what, that was new information for me that he actually met her and started working with her when she was 12. So that kind of like scared me a little to think, did he start as soon as he got her? And then when they show images of Aaliyah, as a, you know, she was a little more girly 
And, you know, when she came out, she was street tomboy with him and how he he had a hand in that. He made her look a little more mature with the lipstick, the everything, you know. Um, and there was an interview where on BET, and I can't even remember the show. It, I don't know. It may have been Video Soul where they were interviewed. And looking at it now was so disturbing because the interviewer, Big Les, was saying how they kind of were already hearing rumblings about them being a couple. There wasn't clarity on how old she was, to your point. And so they were kind of going into this interview like, okay, this is R. Kelly and this is somebody he's introducing. But like, we're trying to figure out what's going on here. And that she didn't know the girl was 15. So she kind of egged on the question too. Like, so what's up? Are y'all dating? And, you know, to sit there and see like the grin on R. Kelly's face. And Aaliyah was like, oh, you know, you know, this like my best friend. We so close. We this, this, this. You know, he's everything to me. I love him. It was kind of like, you didn't say no. And so now knowing that that was a 15-year-old girl saying that is like, that was creepy. And at that age, I, I got to say at that age, you, you pointed something out earlier where you said that you had a crush on R. Kelly. I did. Same age. So just as a 15-year-old girl, you think about when you're young, you're impressionable, you see somebody that's in the music industry, you're like, oh my God, yep. he's a superstar, he's popular. It's like dating, you're a freshman and you're dating a senior that's a, the football star. And you're this little freshman that comes in school. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's not the same, but it's similar. Yeah. You have this adoration for this older person and you just look at them in different eyes you don't think about the num- the age difference as a, as a young girl. Yes. All you're thinking about is, oh my God, I love him so much. I would do anything to be with him. He's just so amazing. He could do no wrong in my eyes. And then he takes advantage of that as an older man, knowing that it's wrong and says, yes, I want to be with her. So let me manipulate her into thinking that this is okay. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And he wrote AJ Nothing But a Number all about that. And she sung it and we sang along. And now looking back, I'm like, oh Lord. It was his way of trying to justify their relationship. So we hear from the tour manager and the backup singers who share stories of actually being on the tour bus and seeing R. Kelly and Aaliyah have sex. And, and again, the- if you're not mature enough as a young girl. I remember, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say one of this one real quick is I was telling a friend of mine, we were having this conversation the other day, when I would go to school on the bus on the CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority, so we would take the, I would take the bus to school, and I remember that these bus drivers, these they were grown men because they're driving buses, and they would flirt with me, but I never really, at first, when I first was on the bus, I, I was so naive that I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just let me on the bus for free. Yeah. Oh, he's just speaking mm. to me and saying hello and asking me how I'm doing. And then once he started, like, giving me, I'm about to date myself, he would give me transfers because we used to have paper transfers. Mm-hmm. So he would punch the transfer for a later time so that when I was going home from school, I didn't have to um, get a new fare. Right. I didn't have to pay a fare. I could just get on the bus with my transfer mm-hmm. and, and get on for free. 
And so I thought, I started thinking to myself at some point, I don't know if Don going me and the kids, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I took issue with that too because it was the parents of the girl, Azriel Cleary, and it was the dad. And they were like, well, yeah, we knew about the Aaliyah thing and he went to trial, but he was found like not guilty, you know, so we felt like it would be fine. And then, you know, I just felt like, well, my daughter's going to be different. And my issue with that is just because somebody was found not guilty doesn't mean anything. And I saw a post and it was exactly true. George Zimmerman was found not guilty. Do you do the? Would you still allow him to be around your young black boy? Okay, because he still committed the crime. He was just found not guilty. And anybody who watched that sex tape, I'm sure it was very clear. I've heard and I've seen stills of it. It's clearly R. Kelly staring you right in the face. So, and just just like George Zimmerman, um, R. Kelly, they both have bragged about what they've gotten away with. Right. Right. Indirectly, but they have bragged about what they've gotten away with indirectly. No, not even indirectly. Again, being a super fan, when R. Kelly and Jay-Z put out the Best of Both Worlds album, there's a song on there called Jigga Kelly Not Guilty. Like, (laughs) he talks about you can't judge me and you can't this, this, and this. So he vehemently kind of like laughs in the face of like all what everyone's trying to do, you know? So he overcomes the trial, but at that point, Andrea Kelly shares that it's not necessarily the women, it's the physical abuse and the torture and the neglect and the idea that this is him on the sex tape that forces her to divorce him. This is what I found interesting. You never heard her acknowledge that it was him. You never heard her acknowledge that I can't believe he was doing this to these girls. Like that that's still very interesting to me. I can't put my finger on something with her. Mm-hmm. Because she seemed to, in a way, not want to associate herself with that. And I can maybe understand that because as the wife, you know, but you notice him on the tape too. Mm-hmm. and you won't say it and she made it like it was more the abuse and just everything going on and the neglect not the fact that you realize you've married a pedophile that is also engaging in all kind of like deviant sexual acts that you divorced him on top of abusing you mm-hmm. that that was that's kind of odd to me I still just have a hard time wrapping my brain around her not knowing anything. Um, And so we were speaking of grown women. So post trial, now R. Kelly is off. And like they said, now he's even bigger. Like ignition has come out, step in the name of love. So now he decides he wants to actually start playing with grown women. And so there were two women on there that met him at the ages of like 33 and 35. And so here's my deal, girls. Like, 
It was cute when I was like 19 or 20. And like we said, I was infatuated with R. Kelly. But at this point, you have seen the tape or you've heard about the tape. You've heard about everything. At 30 something, I was not checking for R. Kelly. He would not be attractive to me. He would not be somebody I would want as my boyfriend. And so this young lady, Kitty Jones, meets him at 33, gets involved in a relationship with him, packs up her life and her radio DJ job and moves in with him. And she starts to detail how he's got her engaged in threesomes and all this freaky stuff with other women. I also find it interesting, too, that she doesn't clarify whether those women were underage as well. And so I know that they are because we find out that he's got 18, 19 year old, 17 year old still in his house, too. So she's talking about how humiliated she is. So then she talks about how she had never watched the sex tape. But once a friend of hers found out that she was dating him, was like, you need to watch it. And she watches it. And what she said was the most eye-opening to me, because in my mind, I'm thinking this 14-year-old girl just went somewhere and disappeared or like went somewhere and it's like anonymous. She said that she realized that the girl in the video and the sex tape was one of the girls that he had introduced her to just the week before. Uh-huh. And is still in R. Kelly's life. And they say that she is like one of the main women who helps him to train the other girls in the cult. And so, huh? It's sick. It's sick. It's sick. That is sick. And she can say that I had just met a few weeks before all she wants, but I read between the lines. I met a few weeks before means you was involved in sex with her. And then you realize that that was him now and that you are with somebody who had sex with a 14 year old and peed on them. But you knew all that before that, like that's my issue with the grown women is that I get the Leah thing. There wasn't evidence. There wasn't sure that sex tape is a for sure thing. And so why are you even checking for him? And so she ends up confronting him about it. And she talks about how he beats her. So very similar to Drea Kelly. It was not the sex. It's not the promiscuity. It's not the messing with young girls. It's not until it gets physical that, you know, she had the strength enough to walk away herself. And so I think it just shows too just the layers of manipulation, control, and abuse that people like him can have over women, you know? And that you can sexually abuse somebody, you can emotionally abuse them, and physically abuse them. Like, that's a lethal combination, and it's not worth it for any kind of celebrity. No, not at all. And so another lady shares her story, and, and it's the same thing. You know, it's the same situation. So I, it was just like the more and more I hear, I heard it was eye-opening. I think the most disturbing part 
as we like try to wrap this thing up, because we could talk about this obviously forever, was um, the sex cult piece and the story, like we said, of the Clarys and their daughter, Azriel, who met him at 17, picked her out from a concert. So see, this is the other thing. You know, it's just like, this This was the Facebook post I made because this is where I have the problem. Why was the 17-year-old at the R. Kelly concert with her parents? Why did you let said 17-year-old go in a private room and interview with R. Kelly? And he ultimately got her alone to the point to now they have not seen their daughter in three years and she is one of his sex slaves. And so what I was sharing was that I think one thing to me is clear from watching this is that we as a society and a culture have an unhealthy obsession with celebrity and fame. And I feel so much so that we have turned over our babies to a known sexual deviant all for the opportunity to become the next superstar. I feel that as grown women, we are willing to degrade ourselves and engage in promiscuous behavior to secure the bag because those two grown 30 something women were in it because it was R Kelly and there was money attached. They, they admitted it and that we have overlooked and will defend him because we just feel they're just trying to tear the black man down. Like there's so many people like, well, what about Harvey Weinstein? What about Woody Allen? We're not talking about them right now. We talking about R Kelly And then I feel like we'll continue to support his music and pay for concerts, which only funds his lifestyle to recruit, maintain, and torture these sex slaves. And I feel like if we all looked in the mirror, myself included, we are at fault. Because when we heard about Aaliyah, when we heard about the sex tapes, when we heard the rumblings, why do we keep buying the music? Why do we keep stepping in the name of love? Why do we keep going to the concerts? And so I feel we have no choice now, given the information that we've got from here, hearing from both survivors and enablers, no choice left but to mute R. Kelly and stand up for young Black women. Because that's what this is all about, is that we too have been complicit by allowing him to keep going by saying, well, my kid will be different or, well, I don't really think he did it or, well, you know how some women be lying? Like, and it's just more and more young black women will be subject to his abuse and torture. The more that you deny what's going on right in front of your eyes, the more that it's going to continue to happen. Yep. The less that you educate young black girls and young black men and older black women and older black men, the more it's going to happen. People have to speak up. Action has to be taken. Yes. If we don't take action, it's going to continue to happen. He has to be stopped. Yep. You're right. And I think the great thing The best thing that I saw today on the internet was both Fulton County in Atlanta, Georgia are investigating and looking into criminal charges and that Chicago is uh, looking into it. Shout out to Kim Fox. 
That's what happens. You know what? Look at how the law will work. Kim Fox, herself a sexual assault survivor, is a black woman in the attorney general of Illinois now. So whatever little ball game and whatever little good old boys or cronies or his buddies that he had back when the sex tape was going on, it's a new day now. And she is like, we are investigating. They are asking for other people to come and speak up. They've already been interviewing two families. And so it's time. You know, I think he needs the Bill Cosby treatment. The same way we were able to find charges to pull up against him and to make him pay all these years later, it is now time for R. Kelly. Yeah, and his publicist has dropped him, his lawyer and his assistant. Wow. Yes, because I'm sure the main thing they see is that people are watching at how all of the employees around him have been, again, complicit in this behavior. And now they don't want to be the ones. And I got to give a big shout out to John Legend. Um, and I know that he doesn't want shout outs. He doesn't want people telling him that he's courageous. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't see it as the courageous thing that he did. I see it as something that was necessary for him to do. Um, he was a part of the documentary. He gave his opinion of what went on and, and, and not to interrupt you, but um, as somebody was pointing out today, he was really the only celebrity entertain musical entertainer that did really speak out mm -hmm. and what i like that he said is he tweeted he says to everyone telling me how courageous i am for appearing in the doc it didn't feel risky at all i believe these women and don't give a f about protecting a serial child rapist easy decision yes easy decision yes Yep. And I wish it was easier for other celebrities because I know that Dream Hampton did ask other celebrities to be a part of this. Yep. Um, she asked uh, Jay-Z. She asked Questlove. She asked Mary J. Blige. And she said that they had all turned her down and said no. And she said she didn't like the fact that they said no, but she understood it because it's so messy and it's so much stuff that's involved in this. Yeah. Some people just didn't want to be involved. Oh, and shout out. I want to say you're right, John Legend, but they also did feature a snippet of an interview from Chance the Rapper in one of the last episodes where Chance the Rapper has come out and says he regrets doing his song with R. Kelly somewhere in paradise. And he spoke out and admitted that, you know, because of the way we have viewed Black women and because of everything that he knew just being in Chicago, his first inclination was to not believe them. But now he does believe them. He regrets it. And he wants to do everything he can to make sure justice is brought. So I thought that was even great. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, John Legend didn't really work with R. Kelly. It is more powerful when it comes from somebody who has worked with him. If a Jay-Z were to come out, you know, I mean, it's a list of so many people that have worked with him. I didn't realize, you know, Marvin Sapp, people are dragging him on the internet because he's got a song with him. Um, a lot of people R. Kelly has done work with, you know, I think that's Mary J. Blige. Quest Love said that the reason that he declined it is because the portion of the docuseries they wanted him to be on were in the first two episodes where it was about his career. 
And so they were asking him to comment on the good parts of R. Kelly and all that. And he said he didn't want to. He only wanted to share, you know, in on him being counseled. And that that was not the part that he was invited to participate in. So he wanted to clear the air there. Okay. And another person I want to give a shout out to is Omarion of B2K. He said that... Mm. No, no, no. Listen to what he said. <laughs> he said that R. Kelly um, wrote a lot of their songs. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go forward with this concert. Mm-hmm. They aren't going to sing those songs that he did. However, mm-hmm. after this concert um, is done, this tour is done, okay. they're going to retire the song. Okay. So I respect that part of it. I um, don't. Retiring the song. Retiring. I'm- I don't, and I'm going to tell you why. B2K doesn't even perform outside of this tour. So after the tour, there is nothing to even retire and do. You want to show You want to show that you are done with him? Don't sing him on the tour. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to do that because they know that those are songs that people value. So yeah. don't say anything, sir. Like, I get it, but um, no. Where are we even going to hear from you after the tour? You, Nowhere. You, you have a point. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Now, if Omarion said personally his songs, great, because he still performs and everything. But B2K, <laughs> sir. So he got dragged in the comments. Go back to that post and you'll see. Because <laughs> it be popping in the comments. He got dragged, boo. Um, okay, so y'all, share your thoughts. I know we went on a lot longer than we planned, but woo, this is such a meaty episode. Again, I would encourage you, no matter what side you stand on, watch the Surviving R. Kelly documentary. Stand up for Black girls. Mute R. Kelly. Um, you can check out on Instagram. It's official mute R. Kelly to learn more about the movement. And as always, we thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next week, regularly scheduled programming. Um, but we wanted to throw you this bonus episode. So you can find us on social media, Beauty's Banter on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join in on the conversation using the hashtag Beauty's Banter and hashtag Surviving R. Kelly if you want to chime in and chat with us about this topic. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review. The one on iTunes is the one that counts the most. So we will chat with you all next week, I guess, unless you got something, Renee. What you got? I do want to say that um, if you are a praying person, Mm-hmm. Please pray for these young women. Yes. Please pray for them now. Please pray for their future. Please pray for their sanity and that they went once they get out, because we are going to claim that they are going to get out of this, that they seek counseling and they seek therapy so that they can become and get reacclimated into society. Yeah. Because what will ha- what will happen in the future is that if they don't, It'll become a cycle for them. Yeah. Well, they'll go to another man that's going to treat them the same way. Mm-hmm. So let's pray for these women. Let's stand behind these women and give them all the love and the support that we possibly can. Amen. You are so right. Okay, y'all. We'll chat with y'all next week. Bye. Bye.